0: Last week, the Biden administration announced that companies with 100 or more employees must ensure that their workers are either vaccinated or tested weekly. The plan could affect 80 million private sector workers. Businesses have had mixed feelings about it. Some say it's a much-needed step that will help the country get past the pandemic.
1: The business roundtable that includes dozens of America's biggest corporations welcomes the Biden administration's continued vigilance fighting COVID. COVID.
0: Other companies oppose the mandate. They say it could hurt their businesses and exacerbate a problem they're already struggling with, a worker shortage. —
2: Trying to find new employees for skilled machining is almost impossible. —
0: That's Jack Schron, who runs a manufacturing company in Ohio. He's worried that the vaccine mandate will make it even harder to fill jobs. So he's not going to require it.
2: Our culture is one in which we would encourage people to make their best individual decisions for themselves, with their family, sit down with their doctor. Even though we would encourage you to do this, we're not going to mandate it.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knutson. It's Thursday, September 16th. Coming up on the show, how one business owner is navigating the vaccine mandate and a labor shortage. This episode is brought to you by Mercury.
1: There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity
0: can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com. Our colleague Eric Morath covers the labor market, and he says the pandemic has created a perplexing labor shortage.
1: There are more than 10 million unfilled jobs in the U.S., which is a record high.
0: There's a lot of job openings, and yet there's also a lot of people who are unemployed.
1: We saw the Labor Department report it last month that more than 8 million people were unemployed, which means they were looking for a job but didn't have one. And another 3 million people have dropped out of the labor force. So they're not even trying to find a job since the pandemic began. So right there, that's 11 million people. That's enough to fill every open job. So there's really like this mismatch, right? People either don't have the skills or the desire to take jobs that are available. And of course, we also know that many people are still scared of working in a pandemic and they don't have reliable child care.
0: Jack Schron is dealing with this firsthand. He runs a company called Juergens.
2: We're not the hand lotion company. We manufacture machine tool parts, things for aerospace. We manufacture an uh, extremely sophisticated electric screwdriver. And uh, we manufacture threaded inserts for aerospace and uh, applications like that. The
0: things they manufacture are both complex and expensive.
2: Our screwdrivers, for example, are about seven to $8,000 for a screwdriver. So they're not your basic Home Depot. What, a seven to $8,000 screwdriver? Yeah, they're pretty sophisticated. They, they walk and talk and yeah, yeah, they, uh, they do the hoochie-coochie, <laughs> yeah. So it's a, yeah, they're pretty sophisticated.
0: The equipment Jurgens manufactures is used in machines like ventilators, commercial airplanes, and military vehicles, which means it's an essential business. And the manufacturing lines stayed open through the pandemic.
2: We knew that we couldn't move a two-ton machine tool onto somebody's kitchen table. So the the poor folks that were in production had to stay in production. We had to figure out how we're going to do that.
0: The pandemic still caused the same labor shortages at Juergens that most companies faced. Workers stayed on the sidelines to care for kids or sick relatives, or stayed home to avoid getting sick. So when vaccines were made available earlier this year, Jack was optimistic.
2: I got the vaccine as soon as I could, and I got signed up and went to Walgreens and got my two shots. I'm in that age group. I'm over 60, so I said, all right, all the statistics say that I should be getting the shot. So I did. I encouraged people to get the shot. Anybody asked me, I said, hey, I know this is a personal choice, but I made my choice, and here's what I did.
0: Did you encourage your employees to get vaccinated?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And we keep a log of the people because some of the quarantining is specifically driven by the vaccination status of the individual. So if we find that somebody tested hot and they're in an area where we've got other employees, we can look at that there and say, okay, you four have your vaccinations. It's a different quarantine standard, according to the CDC, than it would be if you were unvaccinated. And so uh, that's part of what we do to try and encourage people to do it.
0: And what ways were you encouraging employees to get vaccinated?
2: Well, we, we have a newsletter, and we put out the newsletter on a regular basis. What's going on, why you should do it, the benefits of it. We have signage that goes on the bulletin boards. We encourage our supervisory staff to talk it up. But we were never twisting their arm and breaking their arm, saying you've got to get it done. Did you think about requiring it for your employees? Did we think about uh, uh, mandating the vaccine? Yes, you would go through the analysis, and our coronavirus team said, no, that's not our culture.
0: Jack estimates that about 60% of his employees have gotten the vaccine, but that still leaves a lot of unvaccinated workers at the company.
2: Now, we have some people that we know, because we've had one-on-one conversations, that, based on their religious beliefs, do not support vaccines. And some of them have never supported vaccines, period. So it's not a new epiphany that they came to. They've long held that belief.
0: So when the Biden administration announced last week that it was going to require businesses over 100 employees to either test weekly or mandate vaccinations, what was your immediate reaction?
2: Well, my immediate reaction was that my beliefs didn't change, that the decision is still that of the individual and their physician to work with, uh, to decide what goes in their body, so they would be the ones to make that decision. So I'm still going to encourage people to get the vaccine, but I'm not going to come down on them and say, you've got to do this or I'm going to fire you.
0: So you're going to require testing rather than mandating vaccinations? That's correct, yes. Jack decided that it wasn't in Juergens' company culture to mandate vaccines, but that's not the only reason he's not requiring them. Remember, Juergens is already short on labor, And Jack says he can't afford to lose more workers for any reason, including vaccine hesitancy. He's worried that if he were to mandate shots, some workers might quit. Our colleague Eric has been talking to other experts and businesses about this, too.
1: I've talked to a lot of economists about this. I've talked to some workers about this. There are some people that say, I will not take a job if I'm required to have a vaccine or I'm required to go through a testing routine. But... The flip side is, some economists say that, you know, there's people out there that are scared to take jobs because they don't know that the person working next to them is vaccinated and they don't know if it's safe to go into that workplace.
0: Whether a vaccine mandate will bring people back to work or lead them to quit isn't clear yet. But Jack says his conversations with unvaccinated employees have made him worried. What percentage of your employee base do you think would quit if you had mandated vaccines?
2: Uh, I would say maybe 3 to 5 percent.
0: Jack says that if he did mandate vaccines and his employees refused to comply, there's a lot of other places they could work.
2: Guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to those companies that are below 100 because they have the same skilled labor shortage that everybody has today. And the majority of manufacturing and small machine shops are 25-person, 50-person. They're all exempt from this. And so they're going to lick their chops if that were to happen.
0: But how bad would that actually be if 3 to 5% of your workforce quits? That's after the break.
1: This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday. And pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance— with Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR Rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more.
0: This episode is brought to you by KPMG. The people at KPMG make the difference for their clients. Talented teams leveraging the right technology to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity. KPMG teams together with their clients, working shoulder to shoulder to help grow and transform their enterprise. Are you ready to make the difference together? Go to visit.kpmg.us transformation to learn more. The pandemic has made Jurgens' labor problems worse. But Eric says that finding skilled labor has been a problem in American manufacturing for decades.
1: Like 50 years ago, manufacturing jobs were viewed as great jobs. They were very stable. They paid middle-class wages. Where I grew up in Michigan, that meant, like, you had a nice house in the suburbs. Maybe you had a cottage on the lake. You had two cars. You had a boat, right? Now, that's not reality for manufacturing, especially not a $15 or $20-an-hour manufacturing job. So naturally, everyone from parents to teachers to guidance counselors have sort of geared kids like, go take that healthcare job. Don't go train to be a factory worker.
0: Jack agrees. And he's watched the problem get worse.
2: When I went to school, we had shop class and you had uh, culinary school class and you had things of that nature that were part of the core curriculum. Those all got dropped and they haven't been around for years.
0: So it's more of like a systemic skills gap than like a dynamic in the economy right now that's keeping people from
2: working. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Jack has been concerned about this skills gap for a long time, so much so that he and his son decided to open their own school. Around 15 years ago, the Schron started Tooling University, an online vocational school that teaches the fundamentals of manufacturing. With more than
1: 500 online classes, Tooling USME provides a broad and deep catalog of manufacturing training topics.
2: And
0: last year, there were around 800,000 students taking courses globally.
2: We've got to bring manufacturing back to the United States, and people are waking up to this.
0: Jack is also thinking hard about how to recruit people to work for Juergens and putting videos on YouTube that tout the benefits of a career in manufacturing.
1: I feel like my manufacturing really has become, like, my best friend. Like, I really don't want to do anything else. <laughs> like, I can see myself doing this for 25 plus years. So having this job is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it is a dream come true.
0: Jack himself appears in some of these videos. Talking up Jergens is a great place to work. I've done well over 10,000
2: birthday cards. So every single individual here, I walk around. Hand deliver a birthday card to each one of them with the ten dollars in it. it. Used to be five bucks, but now we're up to ten dollars. Probably ready to go to twenty.
0: But these are Jack's long-term solutions. Right now, he's just trying to hold on to the employees he already has. So rather than risk upsetting some vaccine-hesitant workers, Jack says he's going to do regular testing instead. Even though he does think the vaccine would help end the pandemic.
2: You get in these tough moral choices, and what do you do? Uh, do I become the autocrat that slams the fist on the table and says you will do this?
0: For Jack, it's not just the tough moral choices. It's also practical. If he loses workers, he says his company will be less productive. And he worries that that could affect companies that rely on the complicated machinery Jurgens produces.
2: If you start cutting out links of that chain, then it makes it that much more difficult for us to produce that screwdriver to make that part that goes into supporting a medical device out there. When the pandemic hit, we were slammed with people wanting those screwdrivers because the ventilator market, and we could not make them fast enough and get them out to all the people who are going with their backs to the walls to get those ventilators out. And I think that those are unintended consequences that people have not factored in
0: But Eric says it's still an open question if the vaccine mandates will drive employees to quit. This is uncharted territory, and some experts he spoke with had more optimistic predictions.
1: I talked to several economists this week, and they were really mixed on this. There were some that predicted that this could cause you know, a higher level of unemployment because people will quit jobs rather than get vaccinated. Others said the opposite. They thought that some people would be more confident and they would be willing to take jobs, and they viewed it as a chance to like, improve the health situation in the country. And the, and the best way to like, improve the, the economy is to get rid of the virus, right?
0: The Biden administration's mandate hasn't been finalized yet, which means we could be waiting for a while to find out whether workers will choose to get vaccinated or leave their jobs, even if it could mean taking a pay cut.
1: If someone is saying, like, hey, I'm willing to take $10 an hour or less just to avoid a vaccine, we don't know how many people that is, right? Is that going to be a large number of people? I mean, that's, that's a concern. You know, we've seen some of these other places, like, you know, a hospital in Houston mandated the vaccine and a handful of people quit. So it's kind of the question of, like, is it a significant number in your workforce or is it the same type of churn? People quit all the time for a lot of different reasons. So it's a little bit uncertain to know, like, the vaccine mandate, that's one more layer, but is that... You know, is that worth $10 an hour to you? That creates an interesting disruption in the economy.
0: That's all for today, Thursday, September 16th. The Journal is a co production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Ruth Simon for her help on this episode. And don't forget, on Saturday, we're dropping two more episodes in the Facebook files. Part three.
1: It wasn't just one small piece of an operation that would be, say, like, you know, trying to recruit people. Kind of the entire ecosystem of, of a human trafficking ring could exist on Facebook.
2: In part four. So people inside Facebook started to notice that this was effectively highlighting the very worst kind of content. Stuff that was divisive, really negative, and just kind of represented the worst parts of humanity.
0: Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.